Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 53. I'm Jackson, and today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the loadedness of justice and uh, how we can rely on God's Word. And I'm Tom Mercer, and I'm going to talk about all the things Jackson just mentioned. It's going to be a great episode. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Pastor Tom. Thank you. I'm the executive director of the Oikos Movement. Thank yes. you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Tom is fine. I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I'm here. Had a great time on the weekend. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Always a lot of fun to teach the Bible, but especially here. Yeah. And it's fun to have you back preaching this weekend. And hey, I'm back here on Tangible Takeaways. So After this is how just many weeks? some returns. Daddy-o. Three, three weeks away. You look a little tired. I am a little tired. Those bags under your uh, beautiful eyes. I'm going to have Tanner edit the bags out <laughs> from under my eyes. You know, it's going to be a lot of work for him. Yeah, but, you that's know. all right. It'd be well worth it. Yeah, mm. yeah. But it's uh, it's been a good good time away. Happy to be back. Yeah, and it's good. fun to get to be back with you today, Pastor oh, Tom. That's very sweet. Enjoying it. You to say that. I don't know how sincere it is, but it's very, <laughs> very kind of you to pretend that way, Jackson. It's very sincere. Yeah, good. I, we're in I this, believe you. We're in this series called Playlist. Yes, we are. And you have, uh, you know, here's one thing I would say for people. A tangible Takeaways gives people a little bit of a behind-the-scenes view sometimes wow. to some of our speakers. You have a what might be a surprising taste in music for some people. They might not expect a, uh, a pastor to be like... You know, as I feel like your kind of genre of music, you were in your generation, you were pretty hip and with it, <laughs> wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was pretty typical of uh, young people my age to be vibing. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah. See how hip I am? I vibing like with uh, classic rock and roll. Then it wasn't classic. It was current. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of my playlists made up of that stuff. Yeah. And it's funny how every generation has a style and certain songs they enjoy. Because, you know, it has a great beat and a great, you know, vibe. And then they grow up and they keep playing it. And then their kids start listening to the lyrics that the parents never paid any attention to. Yeah. And the kids are saying, Mom, Dad, what is that music you're listening to? So I, I try to be careful what's on my playlist, uh, yeah. that it's it's fairly appropriate. Yeah. but. Yeah. Anyway, it's, you have to uh, edit the playlist down. Yeah, we I'm do. in that process now that I'm in fatherhood. I'm I'm going back to my playlist. I'm yeah. doing a little bit. Yeah, editing. you might want to. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Yen, you know this, and we said this pre pre show. It's uh, changes your life being a father. Yeah. And you know, there's uh, built in accountability now, because you got bigger fish to fry than just pleasing yourself. Yeah. You got to raise somebody up. I have been surprised at how quickly it changes your life. Yeah, it was like instantaneous Instant. yeah. yeah that's yeah true. i thought it'd take a little bit but it's no true. it's pretty quick no pretty it was quick. uh it was fun to reminisce a little bit and to think about you know where different music yeah takes you in your past and i do think that's um partly what uh at least what david's doing in the psalms he's remembering yeah and he plays this music it's kind of reverse for him because he writes the music based on the past. We re-experience the past based on the music people give us, yeah. but it's still the same connection. Yeah. That wings to the mind idea that Plato uh, wrote about when it came to uh, 
Yeah, came yeah. to songs, came to music. And it's almost like David is, he uses the Psalms really to process a lot of what's going on yeah. in his life. It's like a journal for him almost yeah. through song, um, which we see, I think, is pretty common for a lot of artists even today. They are yeah. processing things that have gone on in their life. And then we find connection points with that in their music. And that draws us in because it's like, oh man, that's similar to something I'm going through or I've gone through. Sure. Um, and then it is, it is just strange how music can really transport you back to a time in your life or back to a moment. You know, you think of, I, I loved your different examples of how certain songs take you back to a very specific moment, you know, and yeah. it just made me think of all the different albums and songs that will, I'll come across randomly that I've almost forgotten about. And it just transports me right back to a moment, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and, and for me, growing up in the 60s and then, you know, into the 70s, and that's kind of the genre for classic rock and roll. But a lot of it was protest music. Mm. And so there was a lot of angst yeah. in the culture, especially among young people. And a lot of the music reflected that and uh, was angry. And so when I read some of the Psalms, it brings me back there. It's mm -hmm. almost, you know, like even Psalm 28, David begins by, in a way, protesting mm -hmm. the fact that God might not even hear his prayer or that God would not uh, give uh, David's enemies their due yeah. And in judgment. And so there's a little bit of anxiety in a lot of the Psalms. That's pretty common on my playlist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all that. I feel like all that range of human emotion we can find in the Psalms. Yeah, no doubt. Which is definitely intentional, right? Because when you're experiencing great joy, there's awesome Psalms to go to. And when you're experiencing that angst and that feeling of protesting, there's Psalms to go to for that. I mean, it's just amazing how it lines up so well. And especially my category, you know, that uh, Pastor Todd gave me was the category of justice. Mm. And that was all about the 60s. Yeah. I mean, it was all about, you know, racial and societal justice and equity and still is. Yeah. And interestingly, yeah, that's a big theme right now. Because it know? was never resolved and can't be. Yeah. It just can't be resolved. I mean, we may be able to take some baby steps in a good direction, but resolution requires, well, common justice, which is what everybody cries out for, requires common truth. Mm. And our culture's given up on that. And they don't understand it, but by giving up on common truth, they've thrown common justice out the window. Mm. It is absolutely impossible to experience. Yeah. So... And, and you talked this weekend about how justice, this concept of justice, it's this real loaded baggage word. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like, uh, obviously, you know, you're drawing some great parallels to kind of growing up and seeing that at that time and seeing it now. Would you say it's always been a baggage word or it's become increasingly so recently? Or what would you kind of track that? Yeah, more recently, to be sure. Um, but it, but it, it began, you know, back in the civil rights movement, and for good reason. I mean, there were a lot of uh, inequities and injustices and racial uh, inequity and racism still, still exists, yeah. obviously, today. And so it's not like there shouldn't be uh, uh, all of us crying out for it, but it's unfortunate that uh, it can only be found, you know, in truth. Mm. And truth can only be found in, in Christ. And uh, if you're not going to embrace one, you can't, you can't enjoy the other. But yeah, it's a loaded word. You know, I think, Jackson, our culture finds ways to hijack words. Mm. And uh, I think of the word pride. I mean, I just use the word or read it um, in any context, and you immediately think of a particular movement yeah. in our culture. Yeah. Um, 
but it's a good word. I mean, it's a word that should be able to be used in a lot of different contexts. But anyway, justice is one of those words, too, and uh, it's come to mean uh, something very narrow in our culture. Yeah. When in reality, well, I say in reality because I believe the Bible's true. And so when you consider what the Bible says about justice, it's a pretty broad um, recognition of making something right um, is is what justice actually means biblically. Yeah. So it's not that niched, you yeah. know, just racial inequality that... And uh, even that definition of right is, uh, according to God's terms, what's yes. right, right? Yeah, that's, that's right, just. Yeah. yeah. That's God's right, justness. And you can't... You can't... Uh, you can't cut that any other way. Yeah. You know, you just can't. Doesn't add up. There's a formula for justice, human justice, civilized people coming together and experiencing justice. There's a formula. I mean, we even had that very unfortunate event take place yesterday in Chicago with the shooting mm. on uh, 4th. Um, and, and, and it's heartbreaking. But yeah. what do you expect? No civilization. And you know this. No civilization in human history has been able to walk away from the Lord unscathed. Mm. And so we will not. Yeah. And uh, one of the reasons I love Psalm 28 is because David was, in a way, uh, separating the judgment of God within the borders of his own country. The judgment of God for those who are wicked and evil um, from the judgment he was crying out for, which was merciful Mm. Uh, judgment, you know, that sounds like an oxymoron, but yeah. show me mercy in your judgment, Lord, uh, and don't drag me down into the pit like you're going to drag those guys. And so while our society continues to devolve and spiral into an abyss of ungodliness and no accountability, and everyone does what's right in their own eyes, and the thing's just going to hell in a handbasket. And here we are, like David, as a people of God, saying, and Lord, please, I've got you know, three kids and their families, 11 grandchildren, don't drag us down mm. with them. Yeah. And so I think that's a fair thing to pray, to yeah. be honest with you. I, uh, Cheryl and I pray it every morning, actually. Yeah. Uh, we pray for our president. We pray for our country. We want to pray for uh, the United States of America, you know, especially this week, celebrating our freedom and our independence. But Goodness gracious, we, we know some things are on the horizon that are not going to be easy for this country, and we just ask God would sustain his people yeah. in the midst of that. And that's what David's praying for in Psalm 28. Yeah, and I think there's really almost, in some ways, there's kind of two ways that you can see it, because we're really, we've been living in America in the kind of death of our Christendom, you know, where it was like, well, I'm an American, so I'm a Christian, which yeah. seemed like a positive, but in reality for the truth of the gospel uh, was really quite harmful in the sense that people really couldn't tell the difference between whether I actually follow Jesus or I'm just an American, so that makes me a Christian somehow. Yeah. Um, but now there's this huge divide between what it looks like to be a Christian and what it looks like to be an American. And um, I think we can see that as a real negative maybe, uh, but there is a real positive for the gospel in that polarizing difference because Man, if you're going to walk the walk, it's going to cost you something. Yeah. And so I think our churches are becoming increasingly less filled with people who are maybe on the fringes and feel like, oh yeah, I'm one of them because I just belong to this nation. 
to, oh no, I follow the way of Jesus and he is my only option, my savior. Um, you can see there, there is yeah. a positive side to this polarization that's happened. Uh, it's a great opportunity yeah. in, in everything. There's great opportunities. I, I tell young people now, there's this, there's this um, desire, I think, in a fallen heart to rebel. And when I was your age, rebellion meant challenging the church, challenging traditional moral norms, you know, the sexual revolution of the 60s. I mean, all that was rebellious. Yeah. Well, everything has gone so far that way. I tell kids now, rebel. And to rebel means you follow Jesus. Yeah. Re re swim upstream. Just tell the culture you're not going to take it anymore. Yeah. yeah. The same thing that, you know, young people said in the 60s. And then they got involved in all kinds of stuff that now has become normative for our society. But yeah, so young people, if you're listening, live a rebellious life and follow Jesus. Yeah. And honestly, Jackson, we kind of smile at that, but I think there will come a time where young people have that, again, that angst in their spirit to not want to go with the flow, which we all do. That meant they're gonna, means they're going to do something. Maybe that means they're going to do something right. Yeah. So Well, and you even think about what the stage is almost being set for in our world where you have so watered down and diminished what truth is Yeah, um, that there will be coming a generation that so desperately desires something concrete and firm and something that they can bank on. I mean, and then Jesus is just going to be right there, right? Yeah. Like it's just, it sets the stage really beautifully for this um, revival to come of uh, we're almost living in the pendulum swing, you know, yeah. and the pendulum's going to swing back. It just, it oh, does. It always does. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But anyway, the whole issue of justice is, is a, it's a very ironic movement today because of the dismissal of truth yeah. and the cry for justice. Yeah. And you can't have it both ways. Well, and the great irony of it is if I get to define what is true, then you can't infringe anything objective injustice upon me, right? If, for me, if the ideal thing is for me to take what you own, well, that's my truth, right? And so now that I've individualized truth, you can't, there's no outside justice that can... I have no right to say that's not fair. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's my It's fair truth. to you. Yeah. and <laughs> Your truth, your justice. Yeah, and yeah. it's... This is all a great idea theoretically until all of our truths start colliding with one another. And the whole thing's going to implode, bro. It's just going to implode. Yeah. Because it cannot sustain itself. The universe cannot sustain itself without consistent formulas. Yeah. And neither can, uh, you know, the relationships we share with civilized people. And there's only one, the, the kind of irony of the whole thing is there's only one being who gets his truth in the entire universe, because there can only be one truly free being operating at one time, because at a certain point, those freedoms are going to collide. And God is the one true free being who he defines what is true. Is he he only, defines what is, is the only one who can say, this my is truth. my truth. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> You made the place. So yeah. You get this. That's one of the perks of being God. Yeah. You get to pick what's true. Yeah. And not only did he pick what's true, he built um, a cosmos, he built... Um, society, he built civilization based on truth, and you can't just dismiss it and say, yeah, but we want everything to work well anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the consequences will come. Yeah, and so how would you say in our world today that has increasingly moved away from truth, how do we 
how do we hold on to God's definition of justice as his people? Because it feels like um, the thing that's discipling us more and more every day is our social media feed right. and the news cycle. Right. And these things are kind of, they're hijacking this concept of justice for us. So how do we hold to God's definition of justice in a day like today? Well, you just got to know what it is, live it out, um, and invite people into that. Uh, there, you know, again, you're talking to an oik, oik boy guy, and so the influence I have, you say, how can we do this? You don't have a megaphone, and you probably don't have a media presence that's sufficient to influence all that many people, but you do have great influence with those 8 to 15. Mm. That's got to be your focus. Yeah. You live out justice. Uh, draw distinctions between the justice that you live out based on truth and the justice that people can't seem to get um, because they've jettisoned the truth. Uh, so I think that's always, that's almost the answer to every cultural problem. Yeah. Is just work the problem in the area of influence that you have. Yeah. It, but I think a lot of us, we, we, we don't have that a large voice, media voice, and so we think, well, there's nothing we can do because we've grown up listening to these, you know, these big influencers. Yeah. And since we're not one, uh, we can't make a difference. But truly, I mean, I don't know how many influencers the people sitting in the front row seats of your life are watching or listening to, but you're more influential in, in the yeah. lives of those eight to 15 than those people will ever be. Just based on relational proximity. You have, they know you. And living out God's justice in those relationships w for them to see yeah. will catch their attention because it doesn't fit nicely in any of our boxes, yeah. right? Like God's justice is far too liberal and far too conservative for our liberal and conservative groups in our nation, right? So these people watching you as you live this out are going to look at it and they're going to see these discrepancies. They're going to think, they're going to assume one thing of you, but then they're going to assume another. And they're like, those don't go together. And it's like, well, actually they do under the umbrella of God's justice. And, I, and I've heard and read many conservative Christians, you know, they, they again look at how the word has been nuanced to mean specific, um, something very specific to racial inequity. Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of posture um, and, and maybe rightly so, saying, well, that's not what the word means in the Bible. But then I want to say to them, well, you under, do you understand what the word means in the Bible? Because that means it's going to have to broaden in all of your relationships, not just with people of color yeah. or people from other you know, social groups. I mean, there has to be just, let's talk about the justice in your marriage. Yeah. You know, let's talk about the justice uh, treating your kids with the same kind of intentionality that God wants you to treat your kids with rather than just hoping they're going to be okay and you go out and make money, you go out and do your thing. And you want to talk about justice? It's a pretty broad topic. So don't, don't say that this is not God's definition of justice. Uh, you know, if you want God, just be careful. You might get what you ask for, yeah. a, a deeper understanding of what God wants for his people yeah. is to live justly uh, among those that we can be, um, that we can have influence with. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and what would you say, you talked 
about this kind of distinction that I thought was interesting because I see it in so many of the other Psalms as well, not just Psalm 28, of sinful, wicked, evil. Yeah. Um, you see that show up all throughout the Psalms. I'd say even Proverbs, you just see that kind of, it's a lot in the wisdom literature, almost sure. as these kind of breakdowns and categories. Yeah. Um, you had kind of unique definitions for each of those. Would you say that that's like a progression that can happen in somebody's life apart from the presence of Jesus that you go from, man, I've just fallen short to I have no shame to, man, I actually wish harm for other people. Yeah. Like, is that just a natural progression apart from the influence of Jesus in our life? Or is that something that maybe just is extreme for certain people or what would you, how yeah, would you kind of? Yeah, I think it could be looked at either way. Um, honestly, um, David is such an interesting guy because he is so sinful. I mean, honestly, you read the stories and he's a hero and he's a sinner. Yep. High highs and low lows. (laughs) Man. And then you read and, and even people even talking in our, in our world now, they say things, I say this, I want to be a man after God's own heart, but I don't want to be like David, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to have the other side, but we all have that side. Yeah. We all have a dark side. We all have a, a, a side that we we hope people don't see. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I look at, at life uh, as a sinful man, reading about David, a sinful man, and I, I pray the same thing. Lord, I, I pray for mercy. I cry out for mercy because I'm, I'm broken and I'm sinful. Uh, but I don't want to be dragged away with those who don't repent. Mm. And that's the key. You know, Jesus changes the game. He gives us the opportunity to receive forgiveness yeah. for those who ask for it. And uh, and if you don't receive forgiveness, um, you will be eternally categorized as wicked. Mm. I mean, if you yeah. know, those definitions are, are as good as I hope they are. <laughs> you know, when you teach, sometimes it's, wow, I hope that's true. But it does seem to, as you look at the different passages, it does seem different words are used to lean into different categories of people. And even in Psalm 28, he talked about, don't drag me away, which is a reference, a specific reference, a clear reference to death. Mm. Don't drag me away with those who didn't repent, the wicked. And then you don't want to be categorized with those who do evil, those who really want to harm people. Um, So I, I... you know, I don't know about the progression side, but I think it could be seen that way. Yeah. So let's not test that theory yeah. in any of our lives. Let's just repent right away and, and ask Jesus to forgive us. And even as Christians, as we find ourselves in situations where we have missed the mark again, which yeah. happens, you know, even post-Christ, even after Jesus comes into our hearts, we're still sinful and we still make mistakes. And, and when we recognize that, whether it's the influence of of the Holy Spirit as he just speaks, you know, truth to us or whether somebody holds us accountable, a brother or sister in Christ. We have to be very quick to be able to say, you know, what have I done? Man, I I didn't mean to hurt you. Yeah. Or Lord, I'm sorry. I've grieved your spirit. And let's let's keep that really fresh with the Lord when we make mistakes. Yeah. Because the biblical definition of hardening your heart and not allowing yourself to experience shame or guilt, that's wicked. Yeah. And that's it. Again, back in the 60s, wicked was was good. Yeah. Ah, that's <laughs> wicked. Uh, but no, in the Bible, that's not a good thing. Yeah. And and there is, that is such a just cyclical process to following Jesus is this constant need for restoration. Yes. 
And it got me kind of thinking about that wicked category. I just thought, man, it, how easy is it for believers to slip into the not experiencing shame or guilt anymore for their sin as it just maybe the restoration becomes kind of mundane to them over time yeah. and uh, it's almost as though their heart's not in it anymore yeah. right like do, have you seen that in your kind of years of ministry and pastoring that that can be kind of a danger for us as people who have been in the church maybe for a long time that there comes a point where it's like sorry lord you know like yeah and it's just this kind of heartless repentance at a certain point because it's just gotten old yeah, you know, when Jesus talked about even uh, providing forgiveness, you know, 70 times 7 for our brothers, I think he was identifying that that is, you know, going to be true at a lot of levels. We just keep making mistakes, and sometimes the same mistake over and over again. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. I, To your point, though, or to your question, I gave up a long time ago assuming that I knew who, were, who was a Christian and who wasn't. Mm. And uh, I... I don't know. I mean, the fruit of people's lives give you an indication that somebody's in the faith or not in the faith. But just because somebody says that they're a Christian and they prayed the ABCs or whatever, you know, I don't, I, I don't pretend to know if that was legit, if that was really the desire of their heart, or if it was just lip service or peer pressure, or maybe not a sense of shame or guilt, but just a sense of uh, I'm going to cover my bases. Yeah. You know, I'm going to maybe I'll I'll just pray this prayer and then I'll add it to that litany of other things I do to try to earn my ticket. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But when somebody is not sensitive to the Spirit of God and when somebody is not um, able to pretty quickly say, what have I done, Lord? That's an evidence that the Holy Spirit's not there. Yeah. And and you need to, and when the, the, the Lord reveals himself to you, man, don't dismiss it. Yeah. Because there comes a time when, when God just uh, turns you over to your own sinful lusts mm. or desires or greed or whatever. You don't want to be there either because when the Lord says, okay, man, I, you, nobody wants to hear that no. from the Lord. So I'm, uh, I, I just would, would say to everybody who are, are believers uh, just listen to the Holy Spirit and, and let him speak to you and don't be defensive and be willing and able to own your sin and to just say, yeah, I, I, I needed to do that differently. Yeah, I think it's a true challenge in our faith over the long haul to stay soft, yeah. you know, to stay receptive and emotionally available for those repentance moments yeah. to say, man, I, I don't just want to go through the motions and just kind of try to skirt this under the rug as quick as I can, but Lord, this is in the light and I, I feel horribly about yeah. it. That's not okay. It's not acceptable. That's it's right. not who you've made me to be. And we, that can become so repetitive. You know, maybe you find yourself on a end of a rough week where this is our fifth or sixth time having the, this same conversation with the Lord, and it feels like it's not really uh, the emotion not helping. there. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so it, it, I think it could be real challenging to yeah. stay soft and receptive in those moments. No doubt, no yeah. doubt. Um, last thing, 
David talks about in this psalm, he refers to God as, as his strength and as his shield. And I thought those were yeah. interesting things to pair together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he refers to him again as strength and fortress, which I felt was similar to a shield kind of a motif. What do you think he's meaning when he's combining those kind of two terms, strength and shield? Yeah, you know, I, I just say he, he plays uh, offense and he plays defense. Mm-hmm. He, he's one of those five five-star athletes yeah. that you can go put on the offensive side of the ball and put on the defensive side of the ball. He's going to be your strength um, as you play the game of life. He's going to give you that energy to score, and then when the enemy comes against you, he's going to play defense for you. And, yeah, I just think he's he's sufficient uh, for everything. He He's, uh, you know, if you're doing well in your life right now, you can thank the Lord, and if you're down in, in a kind of a valley right now spiritually thank the lord that you recognize that yeah and and he's he's gonna lift you up i mean he's uh he's pretty good at at taking care of us and even reflecting back on the psalms and the highs and the lows of the psalms and god is right there with david when he's rejoicing and praise the lord you know everything's cool and then oh man i don't know if i'm gonna live till you know the sun goes down tonight and god is right there in it all yeah that's all I think he means by it, our yeah. strength and our shield. I, it does uh, remind me of a, uh, I think it's Peter Furler has a song, uh, oh, it's Sun and Shield. Maybe the same idea. Yeah. It's on my playlist, Jackson. There it is. Yeah, he used, to be, he used to be the lead singer of the Newsboys. Okay. And now he's on his own. Furler's his yeah, yeah, name, yeah. and that's good stuff. Yeah. And what would you say, like leaning into the practical side of things, yeah. how can I t- this week, how can we this week lean into both that offensive and defensive side of God? What do we, yeah. what can we kind of approach, how can we approach him this week to look at him as our strength and as our shield? Yeah, I, you know, seek truth. That's, there's, there's great strength in just living out the truth. And, uh, so that's the offensive side. Yeah. And then when the world comes against you, just rely on the Lord to be your defender. Mm. You know, there are uh, many opportunities in life where you want to lash out at people. Maybe you want to def- be defensive with people and, you know, just let the Lord handle that. He's, yeah. uh, he's got your back. Yeah. So he's out there in front of you. He's got your back. And uh, he's, yeah, he's, it's... You know, it's an all-immersive experience with Christ. Yeah. So. Yeah, you imagine how different we would be if we trusted him to defend us. Yeah. You know, how uh, less defensive we would be with people and yeah. how we'd be maybe a little bit more willing to listen um, and to hear what other people have to say, to hear their criticism or their critique, trusting that God will defend us, that he is that shield for us. Um, and then, man, on the other side, I just think, how often am I in a spiritual, in my different spiritual steps in my formation, how often am I relying on myself, right? Am I looking to just dig a little deeper or, and I don't know where we get that from, but there is this thing in us that we're like, oh, I just got to dig a little deeper here. It's like, maybe I just need to go pray to the Lord that he'd be my strength, that his spirit would be my strength in this moment. And so I think there's this practicing his presence in small moments, allowing him to be our strength through the day. And immersing yourself in the word. You know, I think of, you know, regardless of who's teaching on the weekend, I think it would be a good habit for people to get into to just listen to that message three or four times during the week Mm. and not just rely on the one time that they heard it. Because it's like, you know, um, it's like anything. You watch a movie twice 
and you pick up things that you missed the first time. Yeah. And uh, and and so to listen to a message and then put it back on one of your devices and you put your earbuds in and listen to it again and and you'll find you'll find new truth. Yeah. New nuggets that that you missed before. And uh, just that repetition is is really healthy. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Faith is all about practice. Yeah. It's that dedication to just the repeated things of our faith, the yeah. repeated following in the way of Jesus that truly brings about change. So thank you very much for the time, Pastor Tom. My Appreciate it. pleasure. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you got a tangible takeaway coming out of this week, and uh, we'd love to hear about it. You can leave a comment there on the video. Uh, don't forget to like the video, maybe share it with a friend, and subscribe so you get notifications about future videos as well. But that's all we have for this week. We'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways. Tangible Takeaways.